0: Good morning, family. The reading is from Philippians 3, uh, starting from verse 15. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things, and if on some point you think differently, that to God will make clear to you, only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, A Savior from there the Lord Jesus Christ who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control Will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body
1: Thank you You can just sit there I'd ask you all to pray with me Heavenly Father Lord Uh, as we continue to explore uh, the the gospel truth the good news truth the truth of who you are and who we are in the light of you lord i pray that you continue to speak to us that you shape us that you mold us that we can draw closer uh, to living out what we have already obtained lord to be called your sons and your daughters forgiven and loved we say this all in your son's precious name amen again it's good to be with you guys today We are in our third week of going through the epistle of the book of Philippians. Uh, Verse by verse, we have been going through and learning these early truths that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church, a church that honestly is kind of similar to us. It was a church plant. They were still working out their faith, trying to figure out what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does that look like? How, How do I live that out in my daily life? Why do I live that out in my daily life? So we've been going chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and so we're going to continue that on of the day. It starts off with this. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you as it is a safeguard for you. For it is we who are of the circumcision, who serve God by the Spirit, who boast in Jesus Christ, and yet who put no confidence in the flesh. All right, so it starts off, and he says, hey guys, I'm writing to you to protect you from some stuff. Because the world is going to lie to you. And oftentimes, what Paul says is, those who sound like Christians are going to lie to you. And the issue here was the issue of circumcision. So i got to back up a little bit to give you some context of what Paul is talking about and why he's bringing this subject up. To the Old Testament. Where God calls Israel out of Egypt, he selects a people of his own. He names them Israel because literally that word means those who wrestle with God. And I don't know about you, but I often wrestle with God. When I don't get my way, I wrestle with God. When I see something happening on the news and I start to wonder, why are you letting this happen? I wrestle with God. All of us wrestle with God. That's why he names his people Israel. But he he brings them out of Egypt, and then he gives them a covenant. And he says, this is how we're going to do life together. He gives them the Ten Commandments. He gives them rules. And he gives them certain physical marks, certain physical things that they are to do to set them apart from the rest of the world. And part of that was circumcision. It was part of the way that Israelites set themselves apart. And so they did that for generation after generation after generation, all the way through the Old Testament into the New Testament. These Israelite people, these people who wrestle with God, they did their best, sometimes succeeding, sometimes failing pretty spectacularly, to to stay in covenant in relationship with God. But then Jesus shows up. And what's interesting about him is, yes, he comes to Israel, he comes to the Jewish people, but he's really explicit, I have not come just for y'all says, I've come for the entire world. This is the great John 3.16, For God so loved the world, not just one country, not just the Old Testament people, but everybody, the cosmos, that he would give his Son. And so now, it's not just the people in one tradition, in one culture, but it's supposed to be every culture. And I don't know if you've noticed this in our world, but when cultures get together, we can clash a little bit. this, This is everywhere. This is humanity. I don't care if you're in America, or if you're in China, or Japan, or Africa. We all have different ways of doing things. And we all start to sink our identity into how we do those things. And we can get defensive when someone challenges us in those things, in those cultural aspects of our life. And guys, culture isn't bad. It's good to like different types of food, to have different traditions, right? It's part of what God has given you. It's part of what God has given me. But when we place our identity in that, when that culture starts to supersede or merge with our Christian faith, things get wonky, and that's what was happening. You see, these Jewish people of the Old Testament, these Israelites, We're seeing what God was doing in other cultures, and they were like, hey, we're the firstborn children, so y'all should be a little bit more like us. Specifically, that men should be circumcised. As you can imagine, for dudes, that's kind of a sensitive subject. And so this kind of became a big deal. It became a gate where some guys were like, I don't know if I want to, do I really have to do this? Is this where my faith is? And Paul says pretty explicitly, no. He goes on. He says this: though I myself have such reason for confidence, even if someone thinks they have reason to put such confidence in the flesh, I have more. Paul says, guys, you want to play the in-culture, out-of-culture game? Then play it first with me. Because those people who are telling you that you have to be in this culture, this specific way, living out your faith, this specific cultural way. Because let me tell you about my culture. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin. A Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law of Pharisee as for zeal, persecuting the church as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. Paul grew up in the right family. He had all the right cultural traditions. Paul was actually a student under a Jewish teacher called Gamma Mil, which if you were to go to a Jewish temple today, they still read his writings. Paul had the right education. He had the right background. He had the right family. When he looked at the customs, the law, the regulations of the Old Testament, he fulfilled all of them. If anyone could stand, if anyone would say, yes, y'all should do it this way, In my culture, and if you don't, it disqualifies you. Paul was the guy who had the authority to say it. And yet, that is not the stance Paul took with these new Greek Christians. In fact, he went the other way with it. He continues on, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. My Lord, whose forsake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Because guys, everything that I did before knowing Jesus, all that work, all the customs that I followed, all the things I was, quote-unquote, faultless in. They don't get me to God. It's not a stairway where we try to reach up to heaven. What we find is that heaven came down to us. That Jesus showed up here. And because Jesus showed up here, Paul said, I consider all of my former life, all the work. Then he uses that word garbage. That's an interesting word in Greek. That word is skubala. And it is a excitable word for excrement. When you guys think of a Excitable word for excrement. What do you, is it garbage? Is that what we normally think about? (laughs) We're we're in polite company, so I'll use crap, but I could probably go further. He says, All the stuff I did on my own was not worth anything compared to what Christ had to offer. These guys, you don't need. Cultural Christianity. You don't need a cultural Christ. You need Christ. And that Christ is so much better. And that doesn't mean that Paul pretended that he wasn't Jewish. No, he used his culture as a leverage to get into different communities to reflect Jesus. He used his Roman citizenship as a platform to let people know about the God who loved them. But he didn't allow that culture to merge with his Christianity, to break it down, to change it, to distort it. Instead, he goes, anything that gets in the way of it, I'm willing to lay down. I'm willing to put down because that's how awesome Jesus is. And then for the rest of the chapter... He walks through what that looks like for him and for his faith, for us and for our faith. Again, continuing on. And to be found with him, Jesus, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, that comes from things that I do, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. We talk about this word righteousness a lot because it's all over the Old Testament and the New Testament. But the Old Testament definition of righteousness is to be in right relationship with God and with each other. And my God, literally, do we need right relationships right now? Because we got a bunch of broken ones. We have broken relationships in our families. Hurts that have gone back years. We need right relationships with our coworkers. Y- you know the one I'm talking about. The one, the one who doesn't carry his weight. The one who somehow finds a way to work his way or her way into every group project, and even though they didn't do anything. Right? We, need right relation- we need right relationships in our schools. When, when you see a student walking down who, who's ostracized or alone, And we need right relationships with God. We need a right relationship back in the Garden of Eden. And what Paul says in these words is that we don't get right relationships by what we do. He, the faultless one, who jumped through all the hoops, he found righteousness, right relationship through Christ and through faith in Christ alone. He goes, guys, that's better than anything I can do by myself. That's going to change the world. It's going to change these relationships that I have with other people and slowly start to redeem and restore and renew because our God specializes in redeeming, restoring, and renewing broken things, broken people, and broken relationships. He goes on. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of the resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, so somehow attaining. Oh, uh, all right, somehow attaining uh, the resurrection. That's where that's going. I think it's cut off at the bottom. Anyway, so somehow attaining the resurrection. I, I love this because He says. I want to not only share in his life, but I want to share in the way he lived, in the suffering. In walking with Jesus, in the good, in the bad, in laying down our lives for others, in, as Jesus put it, picking up our cross and following him. We actually participate with him. And and we don't have a sadistic God who's trying to make you suffer just for suffering's sake. Instead, he says, I know we're in a broken world. And hurting people hurt people, so when you go into those relationships, they may throw a couple of haymakers. But I promise you it's worth it. Because if you follow me, if you love like I love, if you forgive like I forgive, I'm going to do something special in those relationships. I'm going to do something special through you and you will get to experience life, not just in eternity, but life today. Life and life abundantly. Paul continues on. He says, not that I have already attained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus took hold of me. This is where it gets into in my opinion, the foundation of this entire chapter. Right? Paul says, hey, I am not living this out perfectly, which I, as a pastor, find a lot of comfort in, because I don't know if you'll know this, but, but I have not been perfected yet. I, I still struggle with all kinds of things, all kinds of thoughts, all kinds of actions, all kinds of things that I know I'm supposed to do but don't. Paul says, I'm still not there yet. Because, but this is what I am striving to do. Take hold of what Jesus has taken hold of me. And what I love about this section of Scripture is our faith is not built on whether or not we can hold on to God strong enough. Right? So, okay, yes, Pastor Josh, I get it. We don't work our way to heaven. But once heaven, heaven comes here, once I know Jesus, once I get it, Then it's on me. And that's easy to get into our heads, that that broken thinking. But it's wrong. Who's taking hold of who in this verse? Not that I have taken hold of it, but which Christ Jesus took hold of who? Me. What this verse says is it's not about you holding on to God, it's about God holding on to you. And Acts church Leander, that is good news. That is such good news because all of us can act like a little kid sometimes. And we can scream and we can cry and we can thrash because we're hurting. And we're broken. And what this verse says, even when we are rebelling against God, his arms are wrapped around us like a parent. And our faith is built on him holding on to us, not us holding on to him. And that is good news. There is power there. There is strength there. There is confidence there. And that confidence leads us to something. Paul continues on. He says, Brothers and sisters, I do not yet consider myself taking hold of it, right? I'm not there yet. But one thing I do, I get to forget what is behind. And I get to strain for what's ahead. I, I don't have to carry my brokenness. I don't have to carry my past mistakes. I don't have to play pretend that I have it all figured out or that I've done it right all the time. No, I get to forget that stuff. It's forgiven. It's paid for. Jesus took care of it, and so I get to strain for, work towards something that's ahead of me. I press on to take hold and win the prize for which God has called me. This promise that as we work out our faith, as we figure this thing out, that we don't have to carry our past with us as well. Like this never-ending, expanding backpack of burden and failure. Instead, Paul says, no, I throw that off. I'm running forward. And what am I running forward to? All of us, then, who are mature mature should take hold of such things. And I love this. So this This is Pastor Paul at this point. He's saying, hey, all of us should be thinking this way. And if you don't think this way, well then pray. (laughs) That God will help you think this way. (laughs) And I think all of us need to hear that sometimes. That maybe our thinking's broken. And to be able to acknowledge that. And that's actually okay. To be able to say, you know, I'm still, I, I don't know if I believe that yet. Okay. Keep talking to God about it. Keep praying about it. Keep asking him to shape your thinking. You're acting, you're living, so that you can better see and run with the God that you have. The God who's holding on to you. And then my favorite verse of this entire chapter, only let us live up to what we have already obtained. Y'all are God's kids. You are set apart. You are in right relationship with the Father. You are the image of God in flesh, walking around. Not because of what you've done. No, nope. because of what he's done. Not because you're holding on to him. No, he's holding on to you. You already are God's kids. I'm God's son. So we live up to that. We live out of that identity. That's what this is really about, right? So where do we find our foundation? Where do we find our value? Where do we find our identity? If you want to know why the world is struggling so much with identity right now, and pick your identity. It's not just about sexuality, guys. Because we're trying to find something to live out of. And the reality is we will never find a better identity than the one we have in God. One that's more beautiful. It's more life-giving. And so we get to live out of that identity. Live up to it. Not that we have to earn it. We already own it. It's wrapped its arms around us. Like a bear hug that we can't get let go of. And so we live out of that. That is good news. That is a promise that God has given us. And then Paul starts walking through, so what does this look like? How do we do this on a day-to-day basis? And this is one of those things where, as I've read through this chapter, God's unveiled new layers. It's kind of like an onion, but like a really sweet onion, right, where the more we engage Scripture, the more truth he shows us. Join in following my example, brothers and sisters. Just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. I cannot tell you how important this verse is. If you, like me, have trouble in today's culture, in today's age, in the loudness of the world, trying to figure out how do we live like Jesus when there is so much chaos around us, when there are so many lies, when it's so easy to buy into the us versus them, Paul says, you know how you do it? You look to others who are living it out. All of you know people of faith, people that you respect, right? What Paul says is, identify those people, And then look to them. What are they doing? Steve Huey. I love that man. I mourn that they moved to the northeast coast. And yet still, I can know what Steve Huey's up to because he has a Facebook. And you know what Steve Huey doesn't do on Facebook? 98% of the west of us do. Steve Huey finds ways to encourage people. He finds ways to share hope, not despair. Compassion, not anger. And the cool thing about our church, y'all, we've got a lot of Steve Hueys. And I love how Paul doesn't say, so just look to me though. Like I hope in some form, some fashion, I can model Christ to y'all. But don't just look to me. Because again, still a broken human being, We have a cloud of witnesses around us that we can lean into and believe in. So when some of us are weak, the group is able to be strong. But one of the best things you can do for your faith in this time is identify those people who are following and keep your eyes on them. And to have multiple of them. Because none of them are Jesus by themselves, but together we are the body of Christ. He goes on. He says, For as I have often told you before and now will tell you again, even with tears. And here's the flip side of that. Many live as enemies of the cross. Their destiny is their destruction, their God is their stomach, and the glory is, on, is their shame, and their mind is on, and what's missing there is earthly things. Y'all, there are a lot of Christians out there, or there are a lot who are claiming to follow Christ that are very public right now, but their mind is on earthly things. And they get powerful. They're influential. They have lots of followers on Instagram. They can get lots of likes. Big churches. But their glory is actually shame. Because they're more interested in cultural Christianity than they are in following Christ. And y'all, that always ends the same way. And that ain't good news. And it's not seeing Christ better. And it's not picking up your cross and following Jesus. Instead, it's seeing enemies all around you. And when you see enemies all around you, the natural response is to get weapons. It's to get defensive. And all of a sudden, we don't look like Jesus so much anymore. But the good news is, Philippians doesn't end here. The good news is that, but we, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there. The Lord Jesus, who by his power enables him to bring everything under his control and will transform our lowly bodies into heavenly bodies, and we will be like his glorious body. It says, Y'all, your citizenship isn't here on earth. Yeah, you might be a citizen of the United States. And use that. It's a privilege. It's an honor. Leverage that for the kingdom, but that's not your identity. And your identity isn't in your skin color. Your identity isn't in the cultural norms that you grew up with. Your identity is that of Jesus, and your citizenship is that of the kingdom of heaven. And he goes, and that's good news because the stuff of earth, the stuff of only physical, the here and the now, that's going to pass away, but our life lives on into eternity. And eternity starts today. Eternity began when Jesus wrapped his arms around you. And we get to participate in that. We get to live out of that. We get to live up to that. Not because God's going to take his arms around us. Not because we're in fear of losing. But because of what we already have. We want to live out of that. We want to live up to that. And then we want to share that with every single person we come in contact with. Christian or otherwise. That they too can see a little bit of the reflection of Jesus in that reflection, come a little bit closer to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we lift you up. We give you thanks that it's not about us reaching up to you. Because Father, Lord, we confess that we are by nature uh, rebellious little kids. And we get scared, we get hurt, and out of that fear, we get angry, and out of that hurt, we hurt other people. Lord, and so we come before you in confession that this week, this month, this year, this life, we have not lived up to what we have obtained. But instead, we have acted out of an earthly old nature. But Lord, we are bold to confess because your arms are still wrapped around us. You still breathe your spirit on us and say you are forgiven. You are children of the one and only Father. And Lord, as children of light, we pray that you just let that light burst from our lives, that love burst from our lives. Lord, that we can, in the same way you suffered here on earth, to love others as yourself. Lord, that we can live that love out as well. Lord, that as forgiven children of you, Lord, that we can be different. Lord, that we can fix our eyes not only on your example, but on the example of the brothers and sisters around us. Lord, as they work out their faith, as they strive to follow, Lord, we pray that each of us are able to live lives that others can see and that their faith may be strengthened as well. Lord, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen.